So I want to tell you a story about uh, when I was in uh, high school. I had a f- guy that I knew. His name was Chris. Chris was an uh, amazing academic and amazing uh, athletic person. He played on our soccer team and played on traveling teams. And his team went up to um, Virginia to compete. And they had some downtime, so they went to the beach. And they went to go play in the ocean. And while they were body surfing, doing those things, they were also doing some you know, diving in. Uh, like diving into waves and jumping over that. And just as Chris went up to dive into one of the waves, the water receded. He hit his head uh, on the ground and broke his neck and was a paraplegic. In just as shallow water, right? Just as a dive into shallow water, when you can't see what's going on, just as a physical dive into physically shallow water can paralyze your life and paralyze your ability to physically walk. In the same way, Taking a deep dive of your life into shallowness can paralyze you spiritually as well. Shallowness in our lives leads to an inability to become mature. If you pursue a, a self-centered life, pursuing shallow goals, you'll simply miss out on the deeper purpose of being a follower of Christ. You know, the apostle Peter, one of Christ's disciples, he was aware of that. He knew that. So he was writing a letter to the church and he wanted to call them on. He said this in Second Peter chapter 1, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. You hear us tell you, we're here about knowing Christ. That's why we talk about that because we know that grace and peace are multiplied to your life. Grace is just God's favor on your life is multiplied to you as you know him. His divine power is given to us to all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, in the light of knowing God, in the light of his promises, give all, giving all diligence, listen to this, add to your faith. Listen, whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ, a believer in something, some other God, or you're an atheist and say, I don't believe in anything. The truth is you do believe in something. You believe, you have some kind of belief that you're adding to. And so if you're a Christian, the the, the Lord is calling his followers to add to their faith some things. Here's some of the things he says they should add. You should add to your faith virtue. It's this idea of of moral excellence or, or growing a godly character. To virtue, virtue, he says, add knowledge. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know his word. To knowledge, add self-control. How many know we could use some self-control in this generation? My wife said, you got to smile more. (laughs) That's it. That's my obligatory smile for the rest of the mess. I'm just kidding. It took self-control to do that. Anyway... To self-control, perseverance, because once you start to walk out self-control, the real win isn't doing it once. It's when you persevere in something that shows who you are. And then it goes on to say, add to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So Peter's got this picture that a Christian should be adding things to their life. They should be growing in certain things. And it's expected by one of the men that walk closest to Jesus that Christians don't just believe in Jesus, but they are, that they are actually changed by him and that they actually grow to become more like him. 
For if these things are yours and abound, you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, I just, I could, there's a lot. We could spend the rest of the service on just one or two of the ideas in that verse. So I want to do the 20,000 foot view over what he was trying to get at. All right. And it's simply this. He's calling us to move from the shallowness of the multitudes to the depths of being a, a true and authentic disciple of Jesus Christ. That's our call. From immature multitudes to mature disciples. Did you know that Jesus always had a multitude of people around him, the Bible said? And when he had that multitude of people around him, he would call disciples. I should say, disciples would come out of that saying, I want to know you more. I want to follow you, Jesus. So many people will put pressure on us, like we'll say, we've seen whatever, 670 people come to Christ since we started. What are you doing to disciple them? Here's a better question. What are they doing to be discipled? You never see Jesus chasing after people, right? We'll look at that here in a minute. And so there's a call for us to step out from where we're at, get wherever we're at. When I was a young man, nobody was putting a lot of effort into discipling me. But man, I was putting a lot of effort to know everything I could about Jesus and to become a follower of his. How about you? And that's because of hunger. There's something that God wants to awaken. So we're starting a new series today. The series is called Immersed. Moving beyond an introduction to Jesus, because God wants us immersed in, in Jesus. God wants us immersed in discipleship. At Lifeway, we've had a lot of introduction unto this part. We've introduced you to Jesus, introduced you to worship, introduced you to the scriptures and the word of God and the Holy Spirit. But now it's time to get immersed in Jesus, get immersed in the community called the church, get immersed in the scriptures, get immersed in the Holy Spirit, get immersed in prayer, get immersed, immersed in bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. How do I do that, you might say? You might be asking, how do I become immersed as a disciple of Jesus? How do I not live a, sh a shallow life of, of short-sighted living? And I mean, I want this, but I how do I do it? Jesus has the most simplest and profound answer for you. Two words. Two words that if you do them will take you from spiritual immaturity to maturity. Two words that will take you from shallowness to depth in Jesus Christ. How many want to know what those words are? You ready? No, it's just a couple of you want to know. Was that a real question, Pastor? Yes. The two words are this. Follow me. Follow me. Walks up to a guy named Matthew who's a tax collector. He's collecting taxes. Doing his thing. He was very good at it. It's like Jesus came up to him and said, hey, Matthew, I noticed you're really good. Tax collectors were not liked. He says, and they still aren't today. Anyway, um, <laughs> God bless you, tax collectors. May Jesus save you from your sins. Anyway, um, so uh, <laughs> he walks up to Matthew and he says, he says to him, hey, I see you're good at collecting money from people who don't want to give it. Follow me. 
And I will help you collect the souls of men. And even though they resist the gospel at first, even though they resist my kingdom, you have something on your life that you're going to know me. You're going to discover your purpose. And out of that, you're going to impact lives for eternity. Follow me. Hey, Peter, James, John, I see your nets. I see you're trying to catch fish. I see you're okay at that. I've got an idea for you. Follow me. And if you follow me, I'll teach you how to catch the hearts of men for the kingdom of God. Jesus called to followership on your life, the call for us to follow. He knows brings us tremendous purpose in his grace to lay hold of that for which he's laid hold of us. And all of you want that. When I sat with young adults, when I was a young adult pastor, the number one question the young adult has is, what am I here for? What's my purpose? As I became a pastor of adult ministry and, and discipleship, at Ephrata Community Church. I'd sit down with older adults, adults, and guess what I'd find out? They have the same question burning in their heart. Folks, we can simplify it. What's God's will for my life? Here it is. Follow me. Follow me. So the title of my message today is called Disciples Follow. And the real question, I just want to ask one simple thing. What, is it, what does it mean to follow in general? And what's it mean to follow Christ specifically? Are you ready? First thing uh, about following is following is a choice. And choices have consequences. You know, we are offered choices in life. Some are wise, some are foolish. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 9. And before we dive into that, I want you to understand what we're looking at here. There's, Proverbs gives us a picture and, and talks about wisdom and foolishness and, and calls them paints the picture of them as being women who have houses, who they prepare their stuff they're going to offer. We'll look at that. And then from that place, they offer a common calling, turn in here. And I want to say to you today that in your life, wisdom and foolishness are calling out to you all the time to make choices. And those choices have consequences. They're saying, come in here, come get into what I'm getting into. And you all know that because we've all grown up, we've all experienced peer pressure, We've all experienced those things to do things that we shouldn't do, that aren't helpful. And we even know it, but something motivates us to do that. We'll look at that a little further, but, but look at this passage. Wisdom has built her house. She's hewn out her seven pillars. She's slaughtered her meat. She's mixed her wine. She's also furnished her table. She's sent out her maidens. Okay, now the banquet that she is, look, let me have your attention for a second. She, the banquet that she's offering isn't a food of, of like meat and potatoes, which sounds really good right now. It's the food that Jesus said when he was looking at his disciples and he was going to collect, going after the souls of men. And they were like, why are you talking to this, this woman over here? And Jesus and to who did somebody give you food? And Jesus is like, no, I have food to eat you don't know about. He wasn't talking about physical food. He was talking about this thing that comes from taking in the word, the scriptures and, and relationship with the Holy Spirit as he breathes on them. And growing in that, there's something where we desire the pure milk of the word to be grow by. We'll talk about that more next week. But she, it, says, it says here, she's mixed her wine, she's furnished her table, she's sent out her maidens, and she cries out from the highest places in the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. There's a call to come in to wisdom. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake foolishness and live. Go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hates you. 
Rebuke a wise man and he'll love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he'll be wiser still. Teach a just man and he'll increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years of your life will be added to you. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you'll bear it alone. So wisdom, wisdom has a calling. If we enter into it, it promises us, it promises and declares it will deliver on, 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 on both on eternal life and just a, a better life now. But then there's foolishness. And it says this, a foolish woman is clamorous. She's simple. She knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places in the city, of the city to call to those who pass by who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there for her guests are in the depths of hell. What's, he, what's, what's the writer of Proverbs try to say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Foolishness is going to call out to your life and it's going to promise you something it can't deliver on. Instead, it's going to promise you something you'll regret. Going back to that friend of mine who went out to the beach that day to go dive into the waters. The water, the, the fun of the beach promised him some kind of fun, but the end result was a lifetime of pain and agony. But what about you? How about your story? Drugs promise fun, but they deliver the prison of addiction. Indiscriminate sex offers moments of pleasure, but deliver disease and unwanted pregnancies in its wake. See, here's the deal. Just like he was trying to catch a particular wave and it pulled bait and switch and, and pulled out on him, the, the, the world's going to offer you something and you're going to have a wave of wisdom coming in your life or a wave of foolishness. And you're going to have to decide which wave uh, you're going to jump on. And what wave is the world offering you and what are you diving in on? So following's a choice and choices have consequences. And when you're a wise, you become, when you're wise, you become attentive to those things that are foolish and have bad consequences. Well, along with that, then, is the second uh, reality is that following always has a next step for you to take. Following always has a next step for you to take. And sometimes when that next step is given, especially when it comes to following Jesus, there's always going to be the temptation to keep going in your next step or to turn away from your next step. One of those amazing stories is found when Jesus Christ was out with his disciples. And he had a multitude of his own disciples around him. And then on top of that, he had uh, religious leaders of his day that were around him. And, and there was a, a re reasonable amount of peer pressure on, on the people of, uh, on his disciples from the people that conformed to the way they previously understood Judaism. And Jesus would have known for certain that cannibalism is absolutely forbidden in Jewish law. And so he comes out, he makes this crazy statement. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And that was so offensive. They're like, what? Wow, what? Oh, and, and just people didn't know what to do. They begin to grumble amongst themselves. And this is where the Bible picks up here in John 6. Let's look at what happened. They had two options, continue following or stop following. And here's what it looked like. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they're full of the Spirit and life, Jesus said. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one could come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too, do you? He asked his disciples. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Understand what was, was happening. And I'm like, you know, I imagine the disciples are like, Jesus, what kind of whacked message is this? Everybody else is trying to grow their following. It's like you're always trying to shrink it. Cut it back with these crazy statements. You know, and, and, and so but really what Jesus was looking for was authentic disciples, ultimately. And so in your life, you're going to have three options when your next step comes your way. You can stay where you are and lose sight of your leader. You just stop growing. You stop. This is the passive way to stop following Christ. At one point, you decided to follow. But then when this opportunity comes in front of you that kind of bothers you, you just make no decision on the next step, kind of ignoring it. I've done that many times. The end result is you do not take your next step, thus showing you are not actually a true follower. Your second option is a little more aggressive. It's where you intentionally decide to follow Jesus, and then when something comes your way, at some point in your journey, you decide not to follow him. Of, of prominent uh, people of late, there's a, a, a Christian thought leader, a man named Josh Harris, Joshua Harris, who recently came out in the news saying, I, I'm no longer a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't believe this anymore, and I don't care. And then another, that's an aggressive way to do that, another uh, worship leader from the Hillsong uh, movement. A guy named Marty Sampson came out and said, yeah, I don't believe anymore. And the same kind of thing. These are aggressive uh, attempts to walk away. And then there are, there's the third option. It's the option I've chosen. It's the one I hope you'll take today is to follow the leader and take your next step. I like body surfing and uh, Clay Hebner does too. And he brought up something uh, in a prayer meeting the other day. We were, and he had his analogy and I thought it was a good one. But basically, you know, waves come in when you're body surfing or whatever, you have your board ready, I got my boogie board ready, I'm looking back, and I'm, you're trying to size up the right wave, trying to figure out which one you're going to jump on. And ultimately, we want to take a ride, we want to ride the wave that, you know, is fun. And we've all, if you've body surfed, you know, you always, there's those duds you hit, there's the ones you hit at the wrong time and rolled you under and those kind of things. Waves of something, the wave of foolishness and the wave of wisdom, the wave of, of God coming into relationship with you or the wave of something else pulling you away from it is going to come into your life. And the real question is, what are you going to choose? Will you catch the wave of what God's doing in your life? Or will you catch another wave that pulls you away from God, like a wave of offense, a wave of unforgiveness, temptation of some sort? Because you're going to be offered choices. And listen, no matter what you choose is going to be your next step. If you're a Christian today, your first step was to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And, you, and we make him Lord of our lives by surrendering to his leadership and faith. That's where we begin to follow. But a Christian's next step is baptism. It's, it's when they go, they, they heard Jesus call and he says, be baptized. And so they, the purpose of baptism is so they can identify with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. 
It's confessing that they needed the sacrifice that he did on the cross for their sins, and they are humbly acknowledging that. Now, here's the weird thing about some Christians. Some people, listen, some people, eyeballs, people, people are getting in position, it will be okay. Some people say yes to Jesus, but when the step of baptism is offered to them, they say no, and here's why. Just like the disciples of the eat my flesh, drink my blood incident, that would later become symbolic elements where we take communion and remember that Jesus died for us. They'll see this thing of baptism and they'll say, what's the purpose? And see, that's the crux of our battle right there. The, the crux of the discipleship battle when we follow Jesus is, is when we do not follow or obey Christ because we don't understand why we should, we are in essence the leader we're the real leader. We say he's leader, but we're the real leader. We follow him when it's convenient to the way we currently think, but then we don't when it doesn't fit our common sense, some other sense. And in so doing, we stop following and start following the dictates of our hearts and minds. And today, we have people who are continuing to follow Jesus by being baptized because they want to identify with him. Listen. While this tub of water is shallow, the, the, the implications of what they're doing today are deep. When they step into this water, they're saying, I want you to wash my sins. I want you to cleanse me. I want to receive your forgiveness because I need it. I want to leave the shallowness of the world in its ways to receive the depths of Christ in his ways. I want to be raised to a new life. And I hope you get inspired by their journey today. Let me say this to you. What's not happening today is they're not coming out of this water perfect. That's my second obligatory spot. I'm just kidding. They're not coming out of this water perfect. That's not going to happen. What they're saying is, while I'm not perfect, I want to go all the way with Jesus. I want to be immersed in a life of following him and being discipled by him. So what's about to happen is their name's gonna come up on the screen up here behind me, and a small portion of their personal story will play so you can get to know each person a little better. They'll step into the water while that happens. You'll see an exchange that you can't hear, but basically I'm gonna ask them, is Jesus Lord of your life? If so, confess that Jesus is Lord. They're gonna say, Jesus is Lord. We'll let their testimony finish play. Then we'll say, upon your confession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, in the name of the Holy Spirit. We'll immerse them into the water. They'll come up out of the water. And that is going to be a great time for you to clap, cheer, and celebrate what God is doing in their life today. Amen? And so and after they're done, I'll conclude my message uh, with an action step for all of us. All right? We'll move into our baptism portion of the service here. Although I've been a Christian most of my life, there have been times when I have struggled with sin and gone my own way. Then last October, when hitting rock bottom, I threw up my hands and surrendered my life completely to Him, not wanting this lukewarm life anymore. At that point, I decided to follow His way and not my own. This past year has been a tremendous year of growing closer to Him and knowing who I am in Christ. Baptism to me means that I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm committed to living a Christ-like life and being cleansed in the water will symbolize this. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to participate with you in your death, your burial, and resurrection. I want to show how much I love Jesus and live my life for him. I want the world to know God's love.
believer of Jesus Christ most of my life and attended various churches with my family. It wasn't until we started coming to Lifeway that I realized what it truly feels like to commit yourself to Jesus and worship Him with all your heart. Through my life, there have been challenges that seemed overwhelming and never-ending. I now realize that with Jesus, these things feel more manageable. Focusing on the final destination with our Savior makes the journey worth it. I decided to be baptized so I can share with the world my commitment to Jesus. My heart is full of love and joy because I have handed my life over to Him. choice to be baptized because I want to make a public declaration of my faith in my Savior, Jesus Christ. I want all who will be watching to know that I have dedicated my life to Jesus. He set an example for us by getting baptized himself, and because I want to follow his example, I am doing the same. By getting baptized, I am saying that I want to take the next steps in my faith and identify with Jesus in his death and resurrection. To me, baptism is a symbol of what Jesus did on the cross for us, and in Him we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. For me, baptism means that I am declaring to everyone that I am a follower of Jesus. I repent of my sins, and am choosing to live my life for Him for the rest of my days. Getting baptized is about sharing how God has already changed my life in incredible ways. Recently, God has put it on my heart to be baptized. I want to be overflowing with Him inside my mind, my soul, and my heart. By choosing Him, I can leave behind the lost and empty feelings I felt inside and instead light my fire for God once again. Jesus has long been part of my life, but not in a way that made a difference. The death of one of my best friends left me questioning the character of God and feeling closed off and distant from Him. Going to youth group with a friend helped me start opening up. I felt the Lord calling me to Him. I knew He wanted me to surrender and allow Him to heal me. I chose to turn towards Him and trust Him. I want everyone to know that I am a believer and that God can do His work through me. I want to live my life for Him. As long as Jesus goes with me, I am ready. Growing up in the church, I had an understanding of who God was and was even baptized when I was young. However, I spent some time between then and now trying to balance a relationship with both the world and with Christ. But in the end, I just felt unsatisfied with life and unhappy. As I got older, I came to know God more but still struggled with being intentional with Him. My sister spoke once about passion for God and spending time in His presence every day. I knew that I wanted that, so I cried out to God, not really expecting Him to answer. But God does the unexpected. He met me where I was and has brought me closer. I want to be a declaration of my intentionality with God and that God is more than just my Savior. He's my friend. Give it up one more time for our baptism participants. thoughts I um, want to share with all of us that I think apply both to Christian and really non-Christian alike. It comes from the story of a man named Zacchaeus. 
in Luke chapter 19. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Understand, Zacchaeus knew that Jesus represented a move of God. And he was trying to position himself to catch that wave. Are you following? And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him. He saw him in that tree. He said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When others saw it, when they saw it, they all complained. It's like, ugh. He's got to be guessed with a man who's a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, I, I give half my goods to the poor. If I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it four, fourfold. Listen, here's what he's saying. I've done some bad things in my life. I've hurt people. I want to make amends today. I want to make that right. I want to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to give half my goods to the poor in general, and then anyone else I've heard, I'm going to give them four times what I did them wrong. Are you following me? This guy had serious repentance. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he's also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Here's what I get out of the story. Zacchaeus wave. It came by, and he took it. Jesus is going by, and he's saying, Zacchaeus, you've moved into a place. You're into me. You're kind of into what I'm about. You'll lead to move into a place and checking him out. To you, for some of you today, Lifeway Church, this auditorium is your sycamore tree. You're just kind of climbed up curiously, interested in maybe a little bit more about Jesus. Maybe not. You're not sure. You've got your other thing going on in your life. Like he was a tax collector, he was rich, he was whatever. You got your stuff going on, but you climbed up to see something today. And so when Jesus would say to him, he would say to us, come down. Quit looking at me from a distance. Engage me, let's get into a relationship. I'm coming to your house. Invite me in to your world today. When he said to him, invite me in, he did. Engage me, he did. Learn my ways, he did. Do my ways, he did. When you go to do those things like Zacchaeus did, there's always gonna be a group around you going, that dude, I know him, he's a sinner. When I first got converted, I heard a lot of people. I was serving the United States Marine Corps. I was about 20 years old, just about to turn 21. And I got convicted of my sins and wanted to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. When I did, when I began to walk this out, so many people in my world, including my family, would look at me and go, is this just a little religion? It's not gonna stick? I'm many, many, many years later now. It's stuck. And they believe me. You can't live for what the crowd thinks about you. When you go to live, to get right with God, when you want to get right with God, you can't worry about what anybody thinks. You just got to go for it. 
Because there's always going to be that mob. Sometimes the accuser isn't the crowd. It's your own thoughts. You're like, man, I know who I am. I know what I've done. Jesus isn't going to have fellowship with me, the sinner. Listen, Jesus, Jesus is less concerned about your sinful past. Here's why. He already paid for it. He already paid for it. And he has this great idea that his sacrifice is greater than your sinfulness. And if you'll believe in him, that sacrifice gets applied to your life. He's not real concerned about your past, so let's get over that. What he's real concerned about is your present today and where your future is going right now. And he wants to know today, if I send a wave of grace by you today, if I send a wave of mercy by you today, will you jump on that wave? Are you going to let it pass you by again? Are you going to keep diving into shallow waters and stay paralyzed? Or are you going to move from paralysis to a deep swim in the grace of God? Because Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Well, there was another man that came to Jesus also wanting to know his next step. It's found in Mark chapter 10. It's not going to be up there, but I want you to listen to this. Now, as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good, but one, that's God. In other words, when Jesus made that statement, he was prophetically dialing in to this idea that human beings, that we can have some intrinsic goodness apart from God. We can have relative goodness compared to one another, but true, holy goodness, pure goodness. He's saying, no one has that but God. And this is why Jesus said that. He said, well, just, well, let me answer your question. You want to know what your next step is? You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Do not bear false witness. Don't defraud someone. Honor your father or mother. He just quoted like seven of the Ten Commandments. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I've kept for my youth. And Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, One thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He went away sad. You know why he went away sad? Because he perceived, and let me say this, I don't think God has a problem with great possessions. God doesn't have a problem with people having riches or those things. He has a problem with something that he's blessed you with having you more than he has you. What has your heart is what he's interested in. And he wants to have your heart. And Paul the Apostle was dealing with telling the, uh, uh, Timothy, his disciple, concerning rich people. He said, hey, tell the rich, be ready to give, willing to share, and to store up riches in heaven. You know, that kind of thing. He didn't say, get rid of your riches. He just said, be ready to give, willing to share. Kind of like Zacchaeus response. I don't think, it's, I don't think I, that's not what this passage is about. This passage is a heart issue of Hey, Jesus, what's my next step? Here's your next step. Ooh, I don't, I don't think I don't like that next step. I don't agree with that next step. And he kept riding the wave that was most familiar to him and passed on the one that was coming his way, the one that seemed to promise the most satisfaction. I want to give you an analogy. Many of you probably heard the story about how if they want to uh, capture monkeys for a zoo, how they do it. I thought it was a fake story the famous monkey trap, but it's actually true. I even watched videos of monkeys getting captured. I know it's sick, but it's what I did. 
But basically what they'll do in like Borneo and some of these places, they'll take a coconut and they'll cut a hole in the coconut just big enough for the monkey to put his hand in this way. But when he makes a fist, he can't pull it out. Inside there, they'll bait it with things that he likes like fruit and bananas, green bananas, things like that. The monkey will come along, he'll put his hand in there, he'll grab the fruit, he'll go to pull it. And I watched the video, they literally wait for the monkey to get tired. He will literally not let go, even though it's the wisest thing to do. Foolishness keeps calling out. He, he, and he can't let go. And the reason he can't let go is in his mind, the little monkey thinks, his little monkey brain is saying to him, what's in my hand will satisfy me. And I don't wanna let it go. What's in my hand offers me some element of life but it's shallow compared to the danger that's encroaching on him as the hunters come to capture him and carry him away. He's sure that what he has will give him life, and he's wrong. And I just wonder in your life, what's going on in your life today, that's promising you something but is shallow, and you're just wrong. What are you hanging on to that's paralyzed you, your, uh, paralyzed you or imprisoned you from moving forward as a follower of Christ? Anger? Unforgiveness? How about, how about pleasing others? Pleasing others is a big deal for a lot of people. It keeps people paralyzed from going on with God because they're concerned about what the crowd thinks about them and they're not concerned about the one who created them and the one who died for them. You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that Jesus shines like the sun from the waist up and the waist down. He burns like a fire in its strength. Let me ask you a question. What are you gonna do on the day you stand before him having desired to please the crowd when the one who died for you and rose again looks at you and says, I gave everything for you. Why did you hold back on me? Oh, Jesus, it was the crowd. I just, I kind of went with the flow. And Jesus said, well, that flow is taking you in a direction you don't want to go. You caught the wrong wave. Friend, depart from me. I never knew you. I hope none of you ever hear those words. You don't have to. If today you'll change your mind about what you've been doing. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. There's a simple call here to trust God and let him guide you. You don't need to know every step. You don't need to understand everything in your life. You need to do those two simple words of Christ's call to you. Follow me, trust me, and I will direct your paths. Would you stand to your feet? some of you today you need to take your next step in following Christ and that next step I don't know what it is for some of you you just need to follow him and trust him but some of you you need to take your first step in following Christ I want to tell you what that step is it's to respond, a positive response to what we call the gospel of Jesus, the good news the gospel of Jesus is this that Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on a cross for our sins, paying for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. Just like I said to you a few minutes ago, so that he could say, let's deal with your past first so I could offer you a different future. If you reject the offering of Jesus, then you pay for your own sins. It's not gonna go well. If you say, Lord, you've already paid for it. I wanna get in on it. 
He says, it's already there. Just receive what I'm giving you by faith. Confess that I'm Lord of your life, just like these baptism participants did, and enter into a new life. He wants to do that for you today. Listen, there is no one whose sin is beyond the reach of God's grace. He'll draw a line in the sand today if you'll surrender your life to him. He came from heaven to earth, was buried, was resurrected, so that anyone who believes in that will not perish, but have everlasting life and invite him to lead him to become disciples of his. And he'll take you on your next step journey. Why? Because real disciples are followers. And if you'd like to follow him today for your first step, I'd like to help you do that. Would you bow your head and just close your eyes for just a moment? Let's give people some privacy here. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I hear you. I want that. I, I, my life is not gone. I've done the shallow dive. I've, I've had a, a paralyzed, foregoing existence. I want to know what I'm here for and what I'm made for. If that's you today and you want to get in on that, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you right where you're at. Would you raise your hand high and let me pray for you. Go for it. Come on. Be bold. He died for you naked. Be bold for him. pray together. If you're here today as I pray, you're saying, man, I want to take my next step. I want to get out of paralysis. I want you to join this prayer as well. Would you do this? Pray this with me. Say, God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to take my next step with you today. I confess that you are Lord of my life, Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Empower me by grace to live a life that's well-pleasing to you. Fill me with hope to lay hold of that for which you laid hold of me. I want to know Christ. I want to discover my purpose and I want to impact my world until you come. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God thanks for those people who say yes to Jesus. Woo!